This is the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Your hosts, Sam Harris and Nicholas Farik, digest the most interesting, informative, and topical books, giving you their biggest insights. We expose different perspectives and tools to look at the world to make you wiser than yesterday. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. My name is Nico. As usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Sam. And today is a very special episode because we have a guest on which we'll introduce later. And so today in this episode, we are discussing the book, Obviously Awesome, written by April Dunford. The subtitle of the book is How to Nail Product Positioning so Customers Get It, Buy It, and Love It. And so April Dunford is someone who has more than 20 years of real-world tech marketing experience. So she's a marketing executive. And in this book, she provides a basic positioning framework that actually works. Because through her experience, she has seen that positioning is very often understood, but it can be very powerful, especially for SaaS startups. So startups that provide software as a service. She defines positioning as the act of deliberately defining how you are the best at something that a defined market cares a lot about. All right, so that's very shortly what the book is about. We're going to delve deeper into that. But first, let me introduce to you, Elena. Welcome. Hi. Hi. Could you very shortly introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, sure. So I'm Elena and I work with Sam at Syncify. I'm in charge of the branding and PR and social and general admin tasks of the group. <laughs> Sorting our lives out. Yeah. <laughs> the Sam's life as well, his part time of the whole package. Yeah. The biggest task is helping Sam sort his own life out. Yeah. Pretty much. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. One of those, let's book an hour to talk about it. We're going to need more than an hour. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) You mean you, oh, oh, no. That's actually what's happened today. I thought, hmm, I actually am going to need a good hour and a half with you guys. All right. In this episode, what we'll try to do, because Sam and Elena are both working on a technology startup, which can use a very good positioning. And so the book that we read is useful for them and was actually mandatory reading for their startup accelerator. And so what we'll try to do is to apply what we've learned a bit to what they're doing. And so maybe Sam, can you give the listeners that don't know what Syncify is uh, like a very short pitch? Sure. So I've just been doing that for some investors. So I had the notes right next to your face on the screen conveniently. We're building a mobile app that's creating a social network for experiencing media together. So you can have like virtual book clubs and podcast clubs initially, where you can listen in sync to the same things at the same time, or asynchronously, you can just catch up in your own time. So I could listen to what you've been listening to, Nico, in the morning, like in the afternoon, but I still message you about it and we can have a conversation. So basically, this book club that we're doing where we listen to the same books is kind of I'm building an app to let you do that, like intuitively without it being like difficult and having to organize it, you can just sort of open the app, see what your friends are listening to and listen with them, which I think is quite social. Because if you think about current social media, you sort of have to create media all about yourself, which is kind of unsocial, whereas we're being social around the media, which is kind of much nicer. And it's like a natural way to keep in touch with people like you're one of my best friends, but would I really have spoken to you that much in the past sort of six months if we weren't reading the same books each week? No, not really. Like, yeah, we talk a bit about business very occasionally, but it still it was like once a month or something, we'd be like, oh yeah, you're still alive. Oh, you're still doing that thing. Cool. And that's about it. Whereas now, like we have lots of reason to talk and it's really nice. So trying to make that happen naturally for people without it being difficult is basically what we're doing. And I built an app. It's uh, kind of not amazing yet, but very quickly getting better. We just acquired 
a different business literally over the weekend. So that's kind of cool. Moving kind of fast and not on Techstars Accelerator and raising money and dealing with lots of problems all at once and trying to do a good job of running a business and building a product and everything which comes with that, which is a lot. So yeah, I guess that's where we're at. Super exciting. I'm looking forward to be able to do what we're doing like automatically in one app instead of having to set up Zoom and all that stuff. No, it's great. Cool. All right. So Sam, what did you think of the book? I thought it was good. I wasn't amazed by it, but I do think if I'd read it in sync with the rest of the business at the same time, and we sort of stopped at each step and like discussed it, it would have been like amazing for us. But just to read it, it's a bit like, okay. And some of it does seem a bit obvious at the time when she's saying it, which I guess is like the point of good writing is that like it makes stuff clear that you hadn't thought about before. And it's certainly useful as a toolkit for entrepreneurs trying to build things. If you weren't looking for any of these problems, it would be a bit boring, but it's also short. So that's good. I don't know if you remember some of the listeners that listened in the first episodes, remember me talking about uh, the payment startup I was in. And so we went through a whole repositioning cycle, which took a lot of time. And so having read this book before the hands would have been extremely useful because it would have saved us uh, a lot of time there. And so I think if you ever are in, in a startup where you're not sure about the positioning, I think this might be a very useful book to pinpoint it, get it right the first time so you don't have to waste time and efforts changing it later. All right. So why is product positioning so important? I think the first biggest answer that April Dunford gives to that question is that when you introduce a product to a potential customer, the way you define it and the, the way you position it is extremely important in what assumptions they will make. And so what customers do is they use what they know to make sense of what they don't know. And so, for example, in your case, you're talking about a podcast app. And so the moment you say, I'm building a podcast app. I'm assuming that that's what you're saying. And it will immediately trigger a bunch of assumptions with people. For example, you need to be able to listen to podcasts on it. It needs to have a big library. It's also supposed to be free. And so there's a bunch of things that your customers make assumptions about and which are mainly actually the price, your target customers, so people who listen to podcasts, a bunch of features, and also your competitors. The second part that you need to use when defining your product positioning is also trends. And so in my case, so what I was talking about before the startup I was in, so we had a payment app. And so at the beginning, we just positioned ourselves as payment app. And so we figured out that it wasn't strong enough to convince people to change payment apps because they were used to using a certain one. And so in the end, what we did was we repositioned to the payment app to plants trees. And so there we used a trend, which was young people, millennials, they care about the environment more and more and they want to do something. So we used the trend to position ourselves in a better way, which was very successful. Any takeaways there for Syncify specifically? Yeah. So from what you said around like the position of, well, yeah, like the instant position of being a podcast app, which is something we've been trying to get away from in some ways, as in you kind of need to say that because the first thing it's obviously only for podcasters initially or podcast listeners, but we do want to be more of like a social first app in that sense. And to kind of rethink like how it feels so when you actually land in it maybe it doesn't feel just like a podcast app it's more of a place to go and connect with people and maybe learn so that's something we've been trying to work on and think about because there's been quite a few social quote podcast apps that have just been podcast apps with like but you can add like a comment or something and like they haven't really worked because they haven't added any value to the user because like no one's really gone on there or like had a reason to invite their friends or anything so it's not been useful so that's one thing and then the other side is the trends in terms of Okay, podcasting is exploding, which is great. And then like the whole social media side of things is okay, the current ways of connecting people isn't that useful. And also like the whole COVID is like a thing and we're kind of realizing that there should be better ways to be connected digitally and we're just not really finding them. 
and stuff. So there's lots of useful trends going on that like makes us feel like we're definitely in the right place at the right time. But how to tell people what trend we're in or like making them aware we're kind of solving the thing that they're looking for, where people are kind of trying to move is interesting, which kind of relates back into the positioning. This leads us into the next part of the book, which where April Dunford suggests on how to win at positioning. And so the way companies win at positioning is by deliberately choosing a market category where they expect to win. And so what you're saying is that you want to move away from being seen as a podcast app, because the moment you're defined as a podcast app, people are going to be asking you the question, okay, but how do you compare with, let's say, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, et cetera, which makes your life very difficult. I mean, I've been in the same position, not for podcasts, but for payments. Uh, everyone was like, okay, and so what's the difference with Apple Pay, for example? Because head to head, we, our companies will never be able to beat these giant, huge tech companies because they have all the money, they have all the talent, the engineers. And so from a purely technical perspective, you won't be able to dominate the market. And especially in tech, there is a tendency for the winner takes all situation in whatever market, because the cost of adding additional customers to your platform is so low, there's usually only one player that dominates the whole market and that takes all the profits. And so in this case, she actually proposes three different ways to attack the market and to position yourself. So first is the head-to-head -head approach. And so in the head-to-head -head approach, basically she says that if there's a market that is still pretty fragmented, one strategy you could follow is to position yourself as the dominant player and just to grow as fast as possible and to throw a lot of money on growth and become the big player. However, this is not possible if you're competing in a market that already has a dominant player. And so that's one strategy. The other one is to dominate a sub-segment. And so you're not the overall market leader, but you serve some specific segment of the market. One example that she gave was that some company, they built services for cloud. So basically you use some kind of cloud storage provider and, and they offer extra services on top of that. And they actually made a solution which was specifically for customers of AWS, so Amazon Web Services. And so that is a sub-segment of the market where they were able to dominate. And then finally, there is the creation of a new market category altogether, which is extremely difficult, but can be extremely profitable. And so where do you see Syncify falling in there? Well, we'd kind of like to make a new category in terms of like actually social media, <laughs> making media a social thing, which hasn't quite been defined. But in terms of trends of what other things are, obviously like podcast players or something, we're not the same as or like social things are like they're now some like new audio social networks like clubhouse and things or maybe house party and where it would be quite different in terms of they have like a major liquidity issue and like everyone has to like either plan to be on or like just arrive and be there at the same time mm -hmm. whereas we allow the whole asynchronous part of just like listening when you want to and still being able to be social and leave each other like audio comments that you hear as and when so it's got like some potentially huge wins just make us quite different as to whether we could argue being a complete new category or not is interesting but i feel like there is a new category in that area being created and some other apps doing some other stuff like netflix party and that kind of thing and i think we're in that category which is still kind of very open to anyone jumping into it really and taking it so if you think about like google dominated the search domain space and so now you google things like we'd like to dominate the space of listening to things and becoming in sync with other humans on content space and thus you would syncify with other humans and that would be syncifying and um, <laughs> if you nail that network effect life will be amazing because <laughs> even when someone else comes and does it it's very hard to replace that i mean zoom has done an amazing job of changing from like you don't skype people anymore you zoom them and that's actually like changing people's language for video calling but otherwise no one's really ever done that i just realized it's true but i can imagine that Syncify becoming a word. 
it's going to be hard, but I think I agree with you. I think it's more like there's a new category, like new products emerging and there's some small players and there's probably going to be one big winner in that space. And so hopefully it's going to be you guys. That's right. We'll see. Do you have any major takeaways? I didn't instantly get like a, what is the one line thing that makes us sound awesome from it? which I think was more of, okay, I need to go through my notes and sort of go through those questions with other people in the business and be like, okay, this is what we do. And so there was like, my main takeaway is that there's lots of good advice I need to come back to and actually review rather than like, there was no like quote of like, oh, this changes the way my brain works and everything. No, it's true. The book is really a toolbox for doing positioning. And so if you're not doing positioning, it's not super useful, but if you do, it's amazing. It's like screwdriver, you know? She says like step two is form a positioning team. And so like, I <laughs> didn't do that part. <laughs> so Elena, from what you've heard already, is there anything useful that you think Syncify could use? I think it's honing in on obviously everything that we've just spoken about in terms of really pinpointing what we want our position to be. And that's something that I will be working on with Jack and Sam as well, dominating as a listening space. And like Sam was just saying, to become the new word that people use for it, like with Zoom, Uber, Google it, like everything. If we can get to that point of saying, don't know yeah. if it would be Syncify it, but... <laughs> yeah, Syncifying. Yeah, Syncifying. To be Syncified. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously that's something we want to like actually put in our wording of like when you're on the app, sort of Syncify with this person, that kind of stuff. Yeah. When you send an invite, oh, you can Syncify with me. That Make kind of it stuff. a verb, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> putting it in and then people naturally should start using it if it's in all our messaging. I think it's, it's a good target. The last episode we talked about setting goals for yourself that are like extremely high. And I think in this case, it's good that you guys are actually actively thinking about how to make sure that your company becomes top of mind and is actually used as a word because that's what companies want, right? And I think it's going to be the best way for you guys to be successful. Cool. Thanks. Now you just need to execute, I guess, and nail that positioning. Come on, Elena. <laughs> <laughs> we will. I'm on it. <laughs> yeah. So did you have a positioning team at Bonsai? Yeah, you changed Bonsai. But like, was it a team or did you guys kind of randomly talk about things? Because yesterday we had like an absolute cluster, rude word, of meeting around like what our brand colors would be. From like, they were decided a few weeks ago. And then it's kind of all chaos what happened on the design channel. And we ended up having like a call with like half of us, but not the designer. And we ended up making like sort of six different colors in our color palette, which no one really loved. No one hated any one color enough. And uh, then the designer was, was like, what the fuck was the point with that? So we just wasted like a in going in circles and eventually all the way back to what the original colors were. I think it's, it's a pretty interesting subject in, in general. I feel like when you're in the early phases of your company, you kind of want to involve everyone with everything because you don't want anyone to feel being left out with such a important decision. And so a good friend of mine, which I took into our company was the head of sales. And I wanted to involve him when we were deciding one, our new positioning and also, you know, the new logo, et cetera. But he's like very pragmatic. And I think that a lot of non-pragmatic people would have, you know, jumped at the opportunity to provide input to such an, a very important decision. But he was like, guys, my job is to make sure that our product gets sold. And like, we have more merchants, which accept our payments and we have more customers using our app to pay. And so he didn't want to be involved even with our positioning, which was going to have such a vital effect on the business. And so I learned from that. I think that you should keep the teams that make these decisions like extremely small. And you have to make sure that they have all the decision power and that they cannot be vetoed by some other parties that were not involved in the whole process. So I think, and that would avoid then situations like you had where everyone's saying everything and then has their opinions. Yeah. It's kind of fun. That was a lesson learned. So yeah, I think maybe, maybe it would be like, 
you know, the founders and then Elena or something that decide on the positioning and then the designer and someone else decides on the color scheme in general. If you are building a software startup, I think this book is even more relevant because, I mean, it's already relevant for us because we had more like customer facing like retail products. But if you have like a software as a service or any kind of enterprise software, I think it becomes even more important to use this book well, because the way you define your product can have huge impact on how much you can ask. And to give you an example, in the book, she worked for a new kind of database company. They were selling their software as a database to companies, which immediately sets some kind of, okay, this is how much it will cost and you're going to be priced per user. And this is the kind of features that the product is supposed to have. But after talking to some customers, they actually learned that their customers see their product more as a data warehouse. I'm not in that space, so I don't even know the difference, but apparently you can charge way more for a data warehouse if you call it a data warehouse. And I found that pretty crazy that with the same features and just a different type of name, you could uh, really change how much you ask, etc. Yeah, she does sort of have a good toolkit for that in terms of going through what your customer would do if they had to replace you like as a solution in terms of what features do you have that the customer can't get elsewhere or like what would they be doing otherwise? Like would they be using a pen and paper? Would they hire an intern to do the feature that you're like allowing them or it's just like take them time? Certainly like the superhuman as a tool is like position themselves really well. It's like a okay you're probably a CEO or someone with a bit more budget and you're like really stressed and you don't have enough time to be like wasting time on email. We make the best ever email experience. And it's, if you're rich, it's probably the best thing that you can invest in. But like they really position themselves as like, not just like a tool for everyone kind of thing, which is kind of useful. And then I think I was in, it also talks about like grouping the alternatives so that you can actually work out the areas of different alternatives that people have and sort of how you can then like talk about your features in unique ways that like appeal to the right people, which is good for whatever you're doing which i mean i feel like we could do that even like for the wiser than yesterday podcast still like okay we're doing book summaries okay so people can get like blog book summaries or they can do listen to other podcasts that do it in like slightly different ways to the way we're doing it but maybe it's unique because if we're talking about like our lives a bit more and that's kind of fun and like our actual like tech businesses or these things is maybe that's a bit better than just a book summary because you kind of get to know us as hosts and you might want to listen to more which when you look in the podcast industry that's where all the big successful podcasts are it's like you actually like the hosts as well it's just like what the content is do you have any regular customers for syncify like the ones that use it daily not yet but but you have some some very convinced people that that like it yeah some convinced people that like the idea of it for sure Okay. So, because for now, it's I guess it's difficult for you guys to ask a customer or think about it like, okay, what would a customer do if they didn't have Syncify? Yeah. yeah. Well, talk about like what they are currently doing. So that's sort of how Elena ended up on board. So we're doing user research and she was doing like a manual version of it and ended up like, instead of being like a half hour customer call, it was like an hour and a half of her just coming up with ideas for what we should be doing. We're like, yeah, maybe we could like come and do some of these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> like, and... <laughs> Yeah, avid podcast listener. That's great. So what was some of the feedback from you, Elena? Well, I guess it was more because it resonated with me loads because I have just like a kind of hobby on the side that essentially, as and when I met Sam, I said to him was like the in-person version of Syncify in terms of connecting people, helping people, just creating those experiences together. So that's why I kind of jumped at the idea when I was on the phone call. Do you know what? I actually can't fully remember everything that I said on the call with my input but it was more just I think I liked what the thinking was behind how people can listen to that together because there are so many times I've either wanted to talk about it with friends but they don't listen to that podcast and what's the likelihood that even though I tell them to do it they'll actually go and do it or remember or even want to or anything whereas 
one of the features that will be on the app with leaving comments in specific parts for your friends or just notes for yourself as well. That's handy because it might just be a bit more of a pull to get a friend to listen to it then and then have more conversations that you can discuss and talk about and yeah finding all that basically. Yeah, it makes me think of SoundCloud where you can also like give comments in specific times for music then and people discussing, oh, this drop, amazing. I've already presented my main takeaways. Anything else from you, Sam? Yeah, you said about kind of different forms of competition you can go into, which was good being on a trend. One quote was like, it's better to be a little boring than completely baffling, which is interesting. So we're trying to do all our pitches at the moment for Techstars and like some people are trying to just be like, a bit too many things at once and then you just kind of confuse people and it's easier to kind of be like okay maybe some people be bored by the podcast space but like anyone that likes podcasts will like it rather than being like oh okay we're going to change everything in social media and so that did this really most emotive pitch about like reconnecting humans over like two minutes and then like at the end of it people didn't even know what we did they're like i think i might want this but what is it and then you're like maybe we go like slightly less ethereal and a bit more like it's a podcast app where you do x y and z and you can't do that currently and it would be better if you could i've had very similar discussions because i was talking about we had a payment app and and we we now like with every 10 payments you plant a tree so it's a payment app plants trees but we had discussions about positioning ourselves as a way of helping the environment by doing payments and in in the end like the the goal was then to add on to that uh, instead of payments you could do way more to help the environment we we basically wanted to be a way of making the world like a greener place basically but again i hear you because that also becomes very intangible and difficult to understand and where you're like okay i I get what you're doing but if i don't know how i'm going to use it then i will never start using it anyway so you have to find a good balance with what you're doing exactly cool i didn't know that you had that issue but it certainly makes a lot of sense so, I mean, it'd be quite cool if you sort of could just like analyze all your bank statements and instantly get like, okay, this is how, um, how much carbon you probably had for this much on energy in the wrong provider and like this much on meat or whatever. And you went traveling. And so, okay, you just need to spend like 10 pounds this month and that will offset all of your problems. And you kind of automatically have that in would be kind of exciting. That was the idea. And then also some kind of social rating system where you get like a CO2 score or like an environment score, something like that, that you can compare with friends. But then, yeah, in the end, I think that might still be on the horizon. And I also think that like as a company, you have your products, but then you have other products that build up on that product and you can evolve positioning wise as a company while your products still do what they're supposed to do. So I think we definitely didn't discard that idea, but for a moment we wanted to keep it simple. So people immediately understood what we did. That's interesting. So an entirely separate debate slash tangent is like, okay, we're talking about tech businesses, but what about like science? Because that's one thing that's had like very bad problems with like positioning in terms of like gm everyone hated it so much in europe because like just the way it was positioned in the news and stuff was like it actually got stopped even though like hypothetically speaking we could be a richer more easier going like you can just make crops that like don't have issues with certain problems you don't need to spray, spray as much pesticide or like fertilizer and all these damaging things you can like have crops that like save more co2 and this stuff and you're like well why the hell would we not do that but it just got painted as this weird like frankenstein stuff that was like wholly terrible and so that wasn't very useful but then and same with like climate change it's just like it's confusing for people and they're not really sure if it relates to them but like as a branding positioning thing it's just sort of comes at you from like a million different directions and it's like not understandable easily thoroughly whereas if you sort of like your carbon footprint it sounds like a fossil like it's not very what's that got to do with me it's like speaking the most important thing that i have responsibility for on this planet like why is there nothing that like makes it sound like that like why is carbon dioxide why can't we brand that as like toxic megadeth gas or something 
these sort of things that could actually be really cool that we could use as a branding exercise, but like we do it because of, I don't know, we're idiots, just a personal side. I think you're touching on one of the essences of marketing in general, where the way you frame and the way you storytell around something has a like huge impact on the way it's perceived. That That's, I guess, what marketeers have to do and uh, have to find. Elena, it's your job. Yeah, no, I, I, just, yeah. I agree. <laughs> Come <Yeah>. on now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. It was what you were saying about kind of the storytelling behind it. And that's what kind of evokes people's emotions behind the brand and behind what you're doing. And that was one thing I kind of said the other day to the guys as well in terms of how we're going to position ourselves as a brand <laughs> to everyone and tell that story about Syncify and who we are, what we stand for, everything. All right, cool. Rating time, I guess. Well, Sam. Oh, I mean, depends on who for, but yeah, relevancy, yeah, I think eight and a half. Like if you use it as a manual, it's awesome. If you just read it, you just kind of forget it pretty instantly. It's like, okay, be obvious about what you're doing. But like, I kind of forgot all the steps and things. Once you've read it, I think you can just read the 10 steps as notes. Be like, oh yeah, it kind of works as it is, but it's really good to have read the whole thing. It's so digestible and good. And I think like, in terms of like some of the best books are kind of either really long or really short, like this is really short and it, it is really good. It just hits all the points you need to know. It doesn't waffle on or waste time and yeah, it's condensed. It's nice. So yeah, I agree. I think yeah, I like the fact that it's short, but I also think that it's extremely specific. And so there's a very small subset of people who would find it useful, although it is something relevant. Like if you are passionate about this, although you don't use it, you can use this book to analyze a lot that happens in the world. You know, if someone brings out a new product, you can immediately think, okay, how all the big tech companies are using this kind of framework to do everything that they're doing. Let's say like Apple brings out some kind of new hybrid between the iPhone and the iPad or something. They'll be using this stuff to be able to position it well and they'll be able to do a great job, obviously. So I think it's a cool way to look at new products. So I think the, the framework is quite interesting, but for me, I'm not going to give it a, as high a score as you. I'll give it a five just because it's so specific. <laughs> yeah, it's clear that Sam's been using all the books that we've been reading. <laughs> He's giving really high scores and I'm yeah. like... <laughs> last series has been very like heavy on me. <laughs> Uh, that's okay man when I'm like traveling and growing your hair next or something. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so I'm going to give it a five I think it's a, it's a good book but more like specifically if you're in that kind of position it might be like biased from being in there but it does feel that like if you have the eye to translate knowledge then it's a lot of translatable skills from it in terms of if everyone hypothetically in the world is a salesman so whether it's just trying to get people to come to a birthday party or something if you can kind of position it it's obviously awesome because of like you're going paintballing but you can somehow like describe that as like what you guys definitely need to do or something you can still kind of use these techniques like whatever you want to do in your life is sort of useful in, in many ways and also just anthropology sort of like just seeing the way like different economies are working and like what different industries are doing and all these kind of things just as interested human it's it's a cool lens to have so I wouldn't say it's like completely unneeded if you are your deeper philosophy and observing of humanity. It's good. Okay, Sam, I can absolutely see your point. But I think that our next book that we'll be discussing is actually way more relevant on, the, on that perspective. And so for the next episode, we're going to be reading Hooked by Nir Eyal, which ties a lot, in, well, not lots, but ties into what we've discussed today in general, how to get people to be addicted to what you're, you've built, basically. All right. Nice. Looking forward to that. Good time. Cheers. Hey there, Nico here, your second favorite host of the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Sam and I would like to get some feedback from you. So what we're going to do from now on is each episode, we're going to select one random comment from the past weeks, 
and we will give them a free electronic version of the book that we've just read. So if you like what we are doing, or if you don't like what we're doing, or if you have a comment or a question, just reach out and we might be in touch. Cheers. Thank you for listening to our podcast. As you know, we are doing this to try and help you get smarter. Well, I have another project for podcast listeners just like you who want to be smart. Nico and I learned so much from reading the same things together and discussing them, and I wanted there to be a tool that made it easy for anyone to listen to the same podcasts and books together with their friends. So I'm building the app Syncify, which does just that. It connects you with your friends in the app, listen to the same things at the same time, or create shared playlists and work through them at your own pace. You can share comments and highlights of your favourite bits, and become smarter by seeing what your friends think around the same content that you enjoy. As a bonus, it also helps with your mental health and reduces isolation. Personally, I hate publishing my life on social media, which I find all rather antisocial, and I don't go out of my way to phone a friend for no reason other than the fact I feel lonely. But I do love doing things with other people, and having my friends listen to the same things is, is really awesome. I mean, I used to speak to Nico like once a year before we started this book club together, and now we talk all the time because we're just doing something together. So do yourself a favour and sign up for the Syncify app at syncifyapp.com. And I really hope it helps. Thanks a lot for listening. If you enjoyed the show or learned anything new, be sure to share it with your friends. And I just can't tell you how great it is if you were to happen to leave a review on iTunes. These really do help quite a lot. If you have any questions or books that you'd like us to read, feel free to reach out to us through the website wiserpod.com or reach out to us on LinkedIn. And just keep loving and keep learning and ideally keep listening. Big love from Sam and Nico and the Wiser Than Yesterday podcast. Podcast.